With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Void more. I need a trap door or something. Or give me some stage hands. It's too, it's too much to preach to come around and turn everything off. And it's a lot. I know there's not supposed to be any gaps in the service, but I can only do what I can do. That's all right. Did y'all feel the presence of the Lord this morning? Amen. So you know what? We're going to get right into it. If you'll stand with me for the reading of God's Word, we're going to turn to Galatians 5, 16 through 25. I'm going to try to read it fast. I know it's a lot. When you're there, say amen. Oh, only one person's there. Uh, I'm waiting on Brother Kevin. He always gets, he's like, hey, man, you gotta, you got to slow down. Huh? Yeah, I mean, you can always do that, too. That's an option. All right, so we're ready. Amen. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one to the other, so they... Ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye would be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, I know I didn't say that right, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, Heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and of and such like, of that which I tell you before, as I also have told you in time past, they that which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of <laughs> with the affections and lust. Man, I can't. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. I want to talk to you a little while about a life as a believer. This life should be lived in such a way that we stand out from among the crowd. To walk in the freedom that the Lord Jesus gave us to live in the spirit and to live this life walking in the spirit. Let us pray. Father, I love you, Jesus. I love that you saved me, put my feet on the right path. I love that you provide and care for us. I love you for all that you do. I pray that you would help us in this meeting. Anoint me to preach, anoint ears to hear, and anoint hearts to receive. I pray, Lord, that you would have your way in this service. I pray that you would show us your glory. And everything that is done, we will give you honor and praise for it. In Jesus' name, 
and all that love him shouted, amen. In this letter that Paul is writing to the Galatians, he's writing about the freedom they have in Christ, the liberty they have from the law, and the power they have in Christ's spirit, the false teaching that has slithered its way into the Galatian church as Paul's feathers ruffled. They are his little children, and and that they are his little children that he has brought to Christ, and now they are being being fed rotten bread. The apostle will not stand by and watch it happen. He's going to voice his opinion and his concerns. Paul is grieving for his children. He's going through the birth pains again, not for their salvation, but that Christ would be formed in them. Christ's likeness is God's full objective for his people. That is to walk in the spirit. The motives of the false teachers differ from Paul's. They want, they wanted a following, whereas Paul is worried about their spiritual well-being. And what is the false teaching? Legalism. Legalism requires men to keep the whole law. Legalism makes Christ of no value. The false teachers come in instead of insist on believers being circumcised for salvation. They were looking to a system based on good works for that salvation. Paul tells them that to depend on circumcision is to make Christ of no benefit. What they are do what they are doing they were putting Abraham in the place of Jesus. Since the Jewish teachers made such a so much of Abraham and insisted that believers must follow his example by being circumcised, Paul turns to Abraham's domestic history to show that legalism is slavery and cannot be mixed with grace. God has promised Abraham would have a son, even though he and Sarah were, naturally speaking, too old to have children. Abraham believed God and thus was justified. Time goes by. Sarah becomes discouraged, waiting for that promised son. It suggests Abraham he should have a child with her slave girl, Hagar. Abraham follows her advice, and Ishmael was born. This was not the heir promised by God, but the son of Abraham's impatience, carnality, and lack of trust. This is the son of the flesh. Then when Abraham was 100 years old, the promised child, Isaac, was born. Obviously, this birth was a miracle. It was made possible by the power of Almighty God. At the customary feast and observance of the weaning of Isaac, Sarah saw Ishmael mocking her son. She then ordered Abraham to throw Ishmael and his mother out of the house, saying, The son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. This is the background for the argument which the apostle now takes up. Paul uses the law in two different sense. The first refers to the law as the means to obtain holiness and the second refers to the Old Testament books of the law. Paul is saying, tell me, you who desire to obtain favor by God by keeping the law, do you not listen to the message of the books of the law? Don't walk in the way of the law. You walk in the spirit. The two sons are Ishmael and Isaac. The bondwoman was Hagar and the free woman was Sarah. Ishmael was born as a result of Abraham's scheming intervention. 
Isaac, on the other hand, was given to Abraham by the promise of God. The story is symbolic. It has a deeper meaning than at first glance. The real significance of the events is not stated but implied. The true story of the two sons represents deep spiritual truth, which Paul now proceeds to explain. The two women represent two covenants. Hagar is a covenant of the law, and Sarah is a covenant of grace. The law was given at Mount Sinai. The name Hagar means rock in the Arabic, and the Arabic people call Mount Sinai the rock. You guessed it. I find that all funny, how every word in the Bible lays it all out. Nothing's in there on random. The covenant given at Sinai produced slavery. Thus, Hagar, a slave girl, is a type for the law. Hagar represents earthly Jerusalem, the capital of the Jewish nation, and the center for, center for the unslaved Israelites who were still seeking to obtain righteousness by keeping the law. These people together with their children, their followers, are in bondage. For Paul to link unbelieving Jews with Hagar rather than with Sarah, with Ishmael rather than with Isaac, was a characteristic to the people in Galatians. The capital city of those who are justified by faith is the heavenly Jerusalem. It is the mother of all believers, both Jew and Gentile. In his letter, Paul quotes Isaiah 54 and 1. In his letter to the Galatians to make his case, the scripture he used is a prediction that the children of the heavenly city will be more numerous than those of the earthly Jerusalem. Sarah was a woman who for so long was barren. Hagar is a woman with a husband. How does Sarah triumph over Hagar? Through the power of the Lord. Through the promised child. The children of promise included all Gentiles and Jews who come to God by faith. True believers are born, not of the will of man, nor the will of the flesh, but of God. It is not natural descent that counts, but a divine, miraculous birth by faith in the Lord Jesus. Ishmael mocked Isaac, and it has always been true that those born of the flesh have persecuted those born of the Spirit. Consider the sufferings of our Lord and the Apostle Paul at the hands of unsaved men. It may seem trivial that Ishmael should mock Isaac, but Scripture records it for a reason, and Paul sees it as a principle as a principle that still abides, the war between the flesh and the spirit. Now Paul asks the people of the church of Galatians a question. What does the scripture say? It says, cast out the bond woman and her son. Law and grace cannot be mixed. It is impossible to inherit God's blessing blessing on the basis of human merit or fleshly effort. Those who have trusted Christ have no connection with the law as a means of obtaining divine favor. That doesn't mean the law don't count. It just means that that's not going to get you where you need to be. They are children of the free woman, and they follow the social condition of their mother. They do good works because they are free, because they follow after Jesus, because they walk in the Spirit. The word walk in the Bible is often a metaphor for practical living. The Christian life is a journey, and we are to walk it, to live it, to make constant 
consistent forward progress. The Spirit gave us in the new birth, and we must continue to live day by day in the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit means we yield to the Lord's control. We follow His lead, and we allow Him to exert His fluence over our lives. To walk in the Spirit is not to resist Him. Galatians 5 explains the work of the Spirit in the believer. The context is the freedom from the law and the power we have to walk in the Spirit. Those who walk in the Spirit will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. The flesh, our fallen nature under the power of sin, is in direct conflict with that Spirit. When the flesh is in charge, the results are obvious. You can look it up. See verses 19 through 21. But when the Spirit is in control, He produces godly qualities within us. Believers must be cru- must crucify the flesh with its passions and desires so we can fully walk in the flesh, so we can fully walk in the Spirit. Those who walk in the Spirit are united with Christ and are the bearers of the fruit the Spirit produces. When we are saved by the Lord Jesus, when he pulls us from the depths of sin, he cleans us up and makes us new. For what? To work for him, to wage war on the enemy. We become the Lord's spiritual weapons, a weapon for war. And like any weapon, we must be forged in the fire. The fire purifies, takes out all the impurities from the metal, and makes it stronger so that it's less likely to break so we can become that instrumental for war. For the weapon of the sword to be useful, it has to have an edge on it. To have that edge, the sword has to go through hell to get it. Have you ever seen on TV where they make swords, where they make knives? A fire's hot. It has to be forged by that refiner's fire. All the impurities must be burned out. We often hear the story of the three Hebrew boys standing up for what they believed in. And when the heat was on, they had already made their choice. They were cast into a fire, and the Lord showed up to save them. Yep. What I always found was funny that the only thing that burned off was the ropes. The ropes were given to them by the king of of Babylon. The fire only burned off with the world had put on them. They truly walked in the spirit. What you have to realize is that we go through hell. Trials and tribulation, the the Lord is burning out in what do they call that? Dross, impurities. It floats to the top. Why do we think sometimes I'm like, Lord, I didn't even know that was in there. I know you didn't know that's so why I brought it to the top. We gotta get rid of it. It's got to go to the cross. That's what the world has put on you. That's what we got to get rid of. Some of you know this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I don't know why somebody needs to hear it. Maybe it's just me. I need to relive it. In the summer of 2019, I was working down south. I came home not feeling well. The church was having a youth revival. We were playing music. At the time, there was four of us. That night start. That that was the night. Wait a minute. Where am I at? 
that night was a start. And that morning, me, man, and the kids, we went to meet Manna's friend for breakfast. We had the day planned. We are going to have some breakfast. Then we were going to go to Walmart and get some stuff. Woohoo! That's it. We had a whole day planned. Like we're going to an amusement park. Let's go to Walmart. As we went into the restaurant, I started to feel some pain in my side. Mm, it was hurting so bad I couldn't think. It was hard to decide what I wanted to eat. I finally picked something, but I was in terrible pain. It felt like I had to use the bathroom, but when I went, nothing happened. Pain was getting worse. Before our food got there, I had to get out. I went outside and was walking around praying, but nothing was getting better. I was getting weaker, and the pain was intensified. I went to the van and laid down. I was sweating. I felt like I was going to throw up. I even tried to make myself throw up, but it didn't work. As I'm laying there, I'm praying to the Lord. The, the devil says to me, if you would just surrender to me, I'll make it all better. I said, you can't do anything for me. Just as I was about to text Manna and say, I got to go home. She comes out with the kids and her friend. Now, her friend is a trauma nurse. And she asked me if she could check me out. So I let her. She says, you need to go to, you need to, go to the hospital, which was probably half a mile, maybe a mile down the road. I said to her, I can't go. She tells me, you need to take this seriously. I tell her, I can't go. I can't go. I've got something to do. I got work to do in the church. I can't go. And she looked at me like I had three heads. We load up, man. It starts to drive away. Oh, the pain's getting worse. She asked me, do I need to take you to the hospital? No, I can't go. It's about all I can muster out other than the word Jesus. That's it. I can't pray. I can't do anything. She keeps asking me, I need to take, I need to take you to the hospital. No, I'm telling you, I can't go. If I go, they will not let me out. And we have to play the Ruth revival. So Manna starts towards the house. As we drive, the pain's getting worse. Manna's crying. I'm crying. Manna says, what do I need to do? Pray. Just pray. By this point, I, that's all I can get out is Jesus. And I can answer small things, but I can't. The pain is so so intense, I can't. I can't get past anything else. As we drive, she says, Paul, you're scaring me. If you were not better by the time we get home, I'm taking you to the hospital. I said, you take me to Brother Jamie and you take me right now. Right now. Take me home. You take me to Brother Jamie. 
Which I found funny. That's the only thing that actually got out that was coherent other than Jesus and just pray. I think at that point, if I remember correctly, the pain kind of subsided. Then it came back. So so she calls Brother Jamie. Make sure he's home. He's probably lounging around doing nothing. I don't know what he was doing. I never asked him. He is, so we head that way. Now it's intensified. I hear Amanda talking, and she says, I understand. I know what's going on. So we get to Brother Jamie's house. I don't even wait for the van to stop. I open the door, and I head towards the door. As he comes out, I pass him. I've been crying and sweating. I'm sure I look like a hot mess. I'm no sissy. I can take some pain, but I will tell you that junk hurt. It was like a thousand knives stabbing me in my side all at once and then twisting and just kept twisting. I made it to a, a side room off the front of, like right out the front door, there was a room to the side. There was a little couch in it. I laid on that couch. Like I fell on that couch. Him and Amanda were right behind me. We start praying. With a few minutes, the pain is gone. The Spirit of God had fell in that room. Glory to the Lamb of God. I get up. We're walking out of the house. I thank Brother Jamie. He says, take a victory lap. So I run around the neighborhood streets. Run as fast as I can and as hard as I can. Whereas a few minutes ago, I couldn't even let alone move. Man, it takes a picture and it sends it to her nurse friend we just had breakfast with. She's in awe. She's a backslidden Pentecostal believer, and she can't believe what she's seeing. I get back to Brother Jamie's house and thank him again. We leave and start to head home. I told man, I said, I thought we were going to Walmart. She said, but you don't feel good. I feel fine. So we go to Walmart. We had a day plan. I'm good. Lord took care of me. Let's ride out. As we get to Walmart, I get out of the van, and as soon as my foot hits the ground, the pain's back. That's a sure sign that Walmart is the devil. It's not as bad, so I don't say anything about it. We start shopping. Pain's getting worse. Man, I can see that I'm not feeling good because now I'm propped up on the shopping cart. I'll tell her it's coming back and it's starting to intensify. She says, we'll get what we need and we'll go home. So I muddle through Walmart, get done, get in the van. Man, it hurts worse than before. We get home. I go inside and I lay on the bed. I don't even help her unload the groceries. Amanda comes in after and she gets the girls inside and we start praying. I'm crying to the Lord. I don't understand. You already healed this. Why is it back? The devil is now in my ear. This is it. You're going to die right here. This is the end of the road. I'm crying out to the Lord. Please, Jesus. probably with about 20 minutes span he says to me you know what you must do 
At this time, I'm curled up in the bed like a newborn baby. I roll over on my back, and I take my left hand, and I slap the right side of my body where it hurts as hard as I can. And I say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, each slap gets more intensified, and on the third one, pain's gone. I passed out right then. We played. <laughs> we played for that youth revival that night. The pain has never returned. I don't even know what it was. I don't really care. I mean, I, we can speculate all day long. Kidney stones, cancer, some kind of blockage. I don't know what it was. But if I had listened to the flesh, if I had allowed the pain to overtake me, if I had given way to the devil, then what? I would have found myself in a hospital, and we have not have played for the youth revival. So then the younger generation would have suffered. Also, it taught me, Amanda, the true power and the ways of God. It showed Amanda's nurse friend that God is still working. It showed the people in this church and the churches that visited that night that God is still the same. The Lord told me a while back, a lot of people depend on your walk. Your walk is not about you. It's about my kingdom. It's all about Jesus. We have to stay out of our feelings and stay in the spirit. We have to walk with the Lord daily. We have to walk in the spirit. You're probably thinking, why on earth would you slap the place that it hurt? Because that's what it takes to fight the devil. If the flesh says no, then you say yes. If the flesh says yes, then you say no. Seems pretty easy, right? It's not. There's no... There's no technical book that says this is what happens. You follow A, B, and C. If that don't work, go to the next page. There is no flow chart that says what's wrong with it. Does it move? Yes. Is it supposed to? No. Duct tape. There is no flow chart for that. There is no flow chart for walking in the spirit. It's a learning process. I never thought of hitting myself any other time until then when the Lord said, you know what you have to do. And then I remember that I read Smith. And Smith would hit the spot where the pain and the disease was. And people would ask him, why'd you hit those people? He would say, I didn't hit those people. I hit the devil. They just got in the way. He did not believe in giving the devil, devil any room to operate. In the Garden of Eden, there was no sickness, no disease, no death. Then sin came. Then disease, then death followed. Sickness and death are from the devil. When we allow him to operate, he will fill the place with death whether it's physical death or spiritual death, he will fill the space, the space left empty 
So you deal with the devil rough. If you had a dog and you left your house, say you left your house one day, you could take the dog with you. The dog tried to follow you. And at first you would say, go home. Go home, Spanky. Go. But he still came. And again you say, go home. Go home. You can't come with me. Go home. And he would still follow. Now, finally, you're going to get frustrated and you're going to what? I said, go home. He's going to turn around. He's going to go back to the house. That's how we should treat the devil. I read a story about a meeting Smith was having. And in that meeting, there were many speakers and when Smith got up and started talking, a man in the congregation started speaking in tongues. Smith said to that man, hey, you, you, you shut up. There's no talking. No one likes tongues more than I do. But when I'm talking, you don't talk. So the man sat back down. Now the other ministers on the platform thought Smith was being rude. But what they discovered later is that man had been going to meetings and doing the same thing, disrupting services. And Smith discerned that in his spirit or how we need to walk in the spirit to learn the will and the mind of the Lord, to discern spirits and to show his glory to a lost and dying world. In 2 Corinthians 3, we are told that we are to leave the first principles of the doctrine of Christ and go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and other first principles. What would you think if a builder was always tearing always tearing his house down and laying a new foundation? We should never look back if we want the power of the God in our life. If we are if we allow ourselves to look back, whether that is to the world, to the flesh, to ourselves and not towards Jesus, we will miss what the Lord has for us. The Holy Ghost shows us that we should never look back to the law of sin and death from which we have been delivered. I think that's what happens to the church. As individuals in a whole, it's a revolving door. It's like a hole we can't get out of. We get so far, then we have to turn around and go back. We get so far, and we have to turn around and go back. Why are we doing that? We can't get past it. We have to get past ourselves. We have to get past what we did. We have to get past what we've done. Who we used to be. That's why I've always thought when... When Saul became Paul, they would say, I, would, I read a lot of stuff, and they would say, ah, well, scholars would say, eh, his thorn in the flesh was stuff on his eyes. He had cataracts. He had some kind of eye problem or whatever. I don't think so. Having the same type personality I think when Paul was converted, he grieved what he had done 
to the Christians before him. Paul would have took any kind of physical ailment. I mean, he was left for dead, bit by a snake, cast into prison, beat with rods. It didn't stop him. So in Paul's mind, if it was a physical ailment, he wouldn't have prayed for it. He would have accepted it. That's my curse for doing what I did to your people, Lord. It was a mental anguish. He was constantly reminded of what he had done. And when he prayed three times for it to leave, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Now I'm out. I don't even know where I'm at. God has brought us into a new order of things, a life of love and liberty in Christ Jesus. That liberty and love is beyond all human comprehension. Many are brought into the new life through the power of the Spirit of God. And then like the Galatians, who ran well at the beginning, trying to perfect themselves on the lines of legalism, the Lord is not pleased with this, for he has no place for the man who has lost the vision. The only thing to do is repent. If anything had been tripping us up, we should confess it to the Lord and look to God to bring us to a place of stability of faith. where our whole walk will be in the Spirit. If the enemy can move you from a place of faith, he can get you outside of God's plan. The moment man falls into sin, divine life ceases to flow, and his life becomes one of the helplessness. But this is not the Lord's will for any of his children. Read the third chapter of 1 John and take your place as the child of God. God's thought for us is that we shall reign in life by Christ Jesus. We must come to see how wonderful we are in God and how helpless we are in ourselves. That's the hard part. The Lord declared himself mightier than every opposing power when he cast out the powers of darkness from heaven. I want us all to realize that that same power that cast Satan out of heaven dwells in everyone who is born of of Christ. I think that's a hard part, at least for me. You, you live a whole life relying on yourself. So then to look and have to rely on somebody, not even somebody there. Often I have to repent for that. Lord, I'm sorry. I should. I guess I should have asked you first. I guess I should have came to you first before I kicked holes in that wall. Just kidding. I didn't do that lately. I guess I should have. I should have prayed before I opened my big mouth. But that's the difference between the flesh and the spirit. If we would realize this, we would reign in life. We know we have evil spirits to deal with. We have power to cast out. Believe it, act on it, 
for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Lord means for us to be overcoming and has put a force within us that we may defeat the devil. Temptation will come to all. If you are not worth tempting, then you are not worth much. Job said, when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And every temptation there comes. The Lord lets you. The Lord lets you be tempted up to the very hilt. We'll never allow you to be defeated if you walk in obedience. For right in the midst of temptation, he always makes a way to escape. God comes forth with his power, sweeping away the refuge of lies and all the power of darkness. It causes us always to triumph in Christ Jesus. The Lord loves his saints and covers them with his mighty wings. May the Lord help us to see this. May we all walk in the Spirit. If you'll stand, I'll close. To walk in the Spirit, we must be committed to prayer. I see a common theme here lately. We cannot walk in the Spirit if we never pray. Prayer is more than a spiritual exercise or discipline. Prayer is really our lifeline for struggles, for battles, for trials. We use prayer to plug into the power source, and we get charged with the power of Jesus to fight the devil. Smith was used in a mighty way by the Lord. He prayed all the time. When he died, they said his kneecaps were worn down almost in half. And when they went to his house and his room, they were indentions on the wood floor where he prayed. He wore the wood floor down. This is walking in the Spirit. We commit to reading the Word and hide it in our hearts. To use the sword is to learn how to wield it. If I brought you a boken, which is a wooden Japanese practice sword, and I just handed it to you. And I put you up against a man that had been using it for 30 years. How do you think you would fare? Probably not good. You have to learn to wield your sword, which you learn through experiences. First practice and application. Same way you build your faith. We must commit to obedience. Without obedience, doesn't matter how much we pray or how much we read the word. Without obedience, those things are just nice things to do. Consider what James said. Do not merely listen to the word. So deceive yourselves. Do what it says. When we walk in the spirit, the desire to obey grows not out of obligation, but because the Lord forms in your in you a heart that grows to love God more. The more you love him, the more you want to obey him. We must cast out the bondwoman and her son and be as pure gold. Burnt out by the refiner's fire, those who walk in the Spirit, walk in Christ's likeness, they show forth daily, moment by moment, holiness, just as Jesus did. When we allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit, we find ourselves walking in the Spirit.
Father, I've poured out my heart and gave you a word to your people. I pray that it will find good ground. Lord, I pray that you would help us around these altars, help us to walk in your likeness and walk in your spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on down. Let's see if we can talk to the Lord. We get a word from God. Have him. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.